What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the show. Um, And by the show, I say that because I actually don't know what the hell I'm going to call this podcast yet. My plan is to record about 10 to 12 different episodes before I even bother uh, setting up an RTTS feed and, uh, you know, getting the podcast fully off the ground with a logo, an image, a title, all this fun shit. Probably should have had this stuff figured out already. But uh, I unfortunately do not. I've come up with all kinds of names for this show. Uh, And half of them I look up, you know, I want to verify that no one else is using it. And I come up with all these good titles and then I hop on YouTube, Spotify, this kind of stuff to verify if that title has been used, especially whether or not it's been used on a podcast. And sadly, all the cool ones I come up with that I actually enjoy are already taken. Um couple a couple examples of uh ones I've come up with like my buddy came up with one actually that I was digging called the D spot you know it's kind of a play on words the G spot the D spot my name is Dennis so it would make sense my last name is Sanders so you take the DS the D spot you know it's my initials sounded kind of cool I was like bro that's actually legit I'm like, there's no way that's taken. I look it up on Spotify and there's some woman with a podcast called The D-Spot. I'm like, oh God. So, fuck it. Right now I don't have a name. I want something like kind of wacky. You know what I'm saying? Something that's catchy but kind of funny, kind of ridiculous. And came up with some other ones. But again, they're taken. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm damn near about to just call this shit The Great White Honky. Just because it's funny. I'm a white guy. Nobody likes white guys anymore, especially not in 2023. So I just thought it would be funny to like completely absorb the whole honky. You know what I mean? I'm th- or like super honky. Super honky sounds pretty funny. I might make it super honky. Honestly, I don't know. I think that'll fucking definitely put a divide into who listens to my show. I feel like if you're a black man or something like this, and you're scrolling through new podcasts that maybe check out. If you see one that's called Super Honky, you're probably either going to be like, what the fuck is this? And you're just going to skip it. Or, I don't know, maybe you might see it and be like, what the fuck, what is this? And you might look into it. So, I don't know, could be a hit, could be an absolute swing and a miss. It's kind of hard to tell without just coming up with a title. I don't like the idea of coming up with a title for my podcast and then You know, I don't want to go weeks down the road or even months down the road and then be like, fuck, why did I name it this? I don't want to, I don't want to commit to this. I have some commitment issues, sadly. I've always had these commitment issues. But anyways, we'll come up with a title soon enough. Um, I'm sure once I actually launch it, I'll have a name by then. But in the meantime, just fucking welcome to the podcast. My name is Dennis and uh, this is episode number two. In the first episode, I shared a bunch of crazy details that's been going on with my life about how I was let go from Walmart, shared some things about my mother dying and kind of what I dealt with when she passed away a few months ago. Um, And I just want to go down that hole, that rabbit hole a little bit. Sorry if you hear my dog breathing. My dog decided he's going to lay up here on the bed with me and he is... He is all in my face, and he is a loud breather, so I wouldn't doubt it if I'm going to have to wake him up a couple times, because when this motherfucker sleeps, he makes a ton of noise. He'll sit there and bark in his sleep. He'll fucking whine and kick his feet around and all this shit. It's cute, but not when I'm trying to record a podcast, is it, Reggie? Motherfucker, I got a 110-pound blue-nosed pit bull laying across my stomach right now. Hey, 
Reggie, it'd be nice if you're not all breathing right here next to the cam, dude. It's gonna sound like I'm over here fucking doing some weird shit. Why don't you take your ass somewhere, bro? Get over there. He's literally right next to me and my phone that I'm recording on. And you're gonna fuck it up, dude. I don't want people listening to this with headphones in and all they hear is fucking... As I'm talking. That's not cool, bro. I'm trying to have some kind of quality. It's bad enough I'm recording this shit on an iPhone right now and not on my $2,000 studio mic because I'd rather lay in bed and be cozy while recording this. And I got you over here fucking with me, dog. Get out of my face, brother. Now's not the time, dude. Of course, since he's a dog, he just hears me talking and he's like, obviously he's talking to me. I gotta come over here and hang out. It's, what are you trying to tell me, dad? I'm like, bro, I'm not telling you shit. I'm trying to actually do something right now. And you're over here assuming that everything I'm fucking saying is about you or something. He's over here looking at me hella depressed. But anyways, in the first episode... I had talked about, um, you know, my mother passing away, and there were some things I wanted to get into, but instead I kind of was going down the road as to, as to like what happened after she passed away. Uh, she had a person that was a friend of hers. She had a caretaker that was supposed to be a friend of hers, and uh, and both of them fucking screwed her over in a major way. They were stealing from her. They were basically. Uh, caught on camera on both audio and video in my mom's house. She had a security system installed in her house uh, and the ring, the ring security system. And you can hear them in these videos fucking talking about like, who gets to have her phone? Should we pawn off all these DVDs? Basically making executive decisions as though they're her next of kin. And it's like, hello, I'm her fucking child. How about you let me get out there and determine what goes where, right? So it was a big-ass fucking situation. If you want to know more about it, just go check out the first episode. I left no fucking stone uncovered in that episode. That episode was coming hot right out the gate. I don't know if I'm going to even be able to match that episode. It's going to be difficult. Uh, but yeah, she passed away on June 2nd, 2023. Uh, she went to bed that night, and sadly, she never woke up. Um, and she was found deceased the following morning by her caretaker, or no, her caretaker called my mom's friend who lived in the same apartment and had her come down and check on my mom because she hadn't heard from her. And, you know, my mom's in the room fucking sadly deceased in her bed. Um, the only thing I'm thankful for is the fact that she did pass away when she was asleep. So I hope it was quick. I hope it wasn't painful at all, you know. No one wants to envision our parents going through a ton of pain or any loved ones going through a ton of pain when they pass. So I'm hoping that it was, you know, as easy as possible. And it's scary to think that, you know, we lived this many, this we lived this long just to have the chance of just passing away at any time. We could just go to bed and not wake up. That The whole thought of that is just crazy and hard for me to digest, but... uh they found her deceased on the night of, or actually the early morning hours of June 3rd. So she went to bed at night on Friday, June 2nd, and did not wake up. Um, and I had the, I had the, you know, I was wondering why, what happened exactly. Because she wasn't exactly old. She was 57. Um, but at the same time, she didn't, she wasn't in great, she didn't have great health. She was uh, overweight. 
Um, she had damaged her knees and a cut and a and her back. There was things that prevented her from getting any kind of real exercise, and because of this, she put on quite a bit of weight. And I know years ago, I want to guess the mate about five, six years ago, she had gastric gastric bypass surgery, rather. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's basically where they'll the doctors will perform surgery to shrink the size of your stomach. And this is supposed to make it where you can't eat as much because you get full from eating very small portions and whatnot. And I know when she had the gastric bypass, it definitely helped. She lost a ton of weight. She actually got down to a, a more normal weight and was feeling better and whatnot, but she still had her back problems. So she was always in and out of surgery for her back. And this is something I wanted to touch on in the first episode, but didn't really get around to it. And I kind of mentioned we'll go over it another episode or another time. And this is what I wanted to talk about was her back surgery. So two days before she passed away, wasn't even two days. It was like a day and a half. Here goes my dog fucking whining in the background. I just took this motherfucker outside. He should be good. He should be able to just lay down and shut the fuck up. But here he is. He's starting to whine. He just hopped off the bed. And now he's sitting there on the floor fucking whining at me. This motherfucker. I'm going to probably have to pause this shit and kick him out the room or something. <sighs> but anyways, let's try to move forward. She had a major back surgery two days, like not even 48 hours before she passed. And for me, that just seems a bit, you know, like too much of a coincidence that she had this major surgery. And then two days later, not even a full two days later, she passes away in her sleep. Um, she had the surgery. Damn, I probably should have looked up the dates before I started today's show, but... I believe she had the surgery on June 1st or like the last day of May, whether that was May 30th, May 31st. I can't remember how many days were in the month of May, but I know she texted me saying she was going into surgery. She was optimistic yet fearful at the same time. And the type of surgery, the type of surgery she had is, uh, fuck, I can't remember the exact name of it, but essentially they were taking a device that stimulates the lower the nerves in the lower back um excuse me for not being educated enough to know exactly what the fuck the surgery is but they basically installed a device in the lower part of her back that sends like electric pulses to her fucking nerves her brain her fucking feet i don't know but it was it was essentially supposed to help combat the amount of pain she was always in excruciating pain she had a fucked up back and it was supposed to help this. And I remember she texted me saying, you know, I'm going in for surgery. I'm excited, yet I'm also a little bit scared because this is a trial. And before they actually implanted the device in her lower back, um, she had like a trial run of it. Now the trial run, I believe it was more or less like a patch kind of device that they taped to the to her lower back and she was to use this for like a week or two to see how her body responded to it before she actually got it physically implanted now the trial run apparently went well she said it was helping reduce her pain i know she was happy about it because she was able to maneuver around the house and just do things that she hadn't been able to do in years and then now came the time to get the actual surgery well she had the surgery she got out of the hospital immediately after the surgery, and then she died either that night or the following night. I'll have to gather some more details on that. Maybe in episode three, we'll go over this a little bit more. 
but um so that you had the full details but yeah she she passed away in her sleep and what bugs me the most is the coroner made assumptions like oh she passed away from natural causes you know it could have been her weight it could have been her breathing i guess she you know she had had sleep apnea for a while she had a sleep apnea machine and all this kind of stuff and i just find it a little hard to believe that they send her home from her surgery kind of prematurely in my mind. If you have a major back surgery with a device that is still considered dangerous, if you look up this stimulator, this stimulator that they implant in people's backs, I have read about a lot of people dying from this exact same surgery. And it just seemed crazy to me that they're trying to get me to believe, oh yeah, she just died a natural cause. Now, she didn't have the surgery, I could see, okay, maybe she just had a heart attack. Maybe maybe she didn't wear her sleep apnea mask. Maybe she it caused her to, you know, pass away in her sleep because she didn't wear her sleep apnea mask. I don't know the full details on how sleep apnea works, but I know it makes you stop breathing in the middle of the night. And if you don't wear your mask that helps you with your oxygen levels, you can pass away from sleep apnea. So I don't know if she passed away from sleep apnea, if she passed away just from you know, maybe a, a rough heart attack she had, maybe her body was real weak from this surgery. But to sit here and just be so convinced that it was of natural causes, despite the fact that she had just had this major surgery, I find that crazy. They just wanted to kind of open shut case it. Oh, she died of natural causes. So sad. I'm sitting here like, bro, how are you going to tell me this when you when I already know she had major surgery? And I already know it seemed like they let her go home that day. Like, I don't, am I crazy to think that if you have some kind of major surgery that is like, you know, still in trial phases where you could, it's not hard to get on Google and look up the name of this surgery and find all kinds of documents to support this surgery being very dangerous for one. I mean, there's doctors that I found on Google and surgeons that are basically recommending people do not get this surgery that this surgery is not safe, or at least not safe enough to where, you know, you should just go out and get it just because you're having some back pain. But uh, she sadly passed away. So of course, it has me feeling like, dude, is there a lawsuit out there? Is there something, you know, could I maybe get an attorney? It just seems strange for her to, for them to send her home after a major surgery like that. Her caretaker wasn't even at her home that day. And then, you know, like at very least, if you're going to send her home from the hospital after such a major surgery, in my mind, the caretaker should be there 24 hours a day, especially when she goes to sleep at night in case there's any kind of complications. But sadly, her caretaker was not there. No one was there with her. You could see her on camera, on her security cameras. You could see her go into her room, you know, get into her little night gear, whatever. She, go she hops in the bed and then... That's just it. No more. No more of my mother, sadly. She's just passed away in her sleep. Open, shut case. I guess it's just natural causes. But to me, it just seems a little suspect. I don't want to go much further than that. Just wanted to give you a little bit more details as to, you know, how she passed away and what my thinking, my logic was with the whole situation. It just seemed really odd to me that they're just trying to call it natural causes right out the gate. I don't know. Seems crazy. But uh, 
I miss her. It's been four months since she passed away. We were close, but not super close, just because I was not raised by my mother. My mother had me when she was like 15 or just turned 16. I think she had just turned 16 in April, and then I was born several months later after April and September. So she was either 15 turning 16, or I'm sorry, 15 pregnant, and then 16 when she had me. May have been 16 turning 17. I can't remember. I know she was dumbass young, but uh, she had some mental health problems. My mother suffered from, you know, bipolar, manic depression, this kind of stuff. And I know kind of like me, she was never really good with keeping a job. She'd have a job for a little while. It would be going well. Next thing I know, she didn't have that job anymore. Rinse, repeat. I know this was a problem for her. And I know by the time she was guesstimating maybe 40, late 30s, 40 years old, she went on disability where she didn't work anymore. She would just get a check from the government for $900 or $1,000 a month and she was listed as disabled so she couldn't get a job anymore. She was very poor, this kind of thing. But um, we were close, but I didn't, I wasn't raised by my mom. I was actually raised by her mother, which would have been, of course, my grandmother. I was raised by my grandparents. And uh, so this made it where I wasn't as close to my mother as I wanted to be. We still kept in touch throughout the years for the most part. There were times where I would go several months and not really hear from her, but we were still pretty close. It still struck me. It still absolutely shook up my life to find out, especially out of the blue. You know, she's texting me one day, happy to get this surgery. Hope everything goes well. If it does, I'll be able to finally move around a lot better. I won't be so stuck to a damn chair all day. It's just crazy to go from that to just, hey, your mother passed away in her sleep last night. So that made it incredibly difficult for me to kind of accept and digest the whole situation. <sighs> Love you, mama. Um, but yeah, very young-spirited. I could talk to her about anything. One thing I loved about my mother is I could literally talk to her about anything and everything. I didn't have to worry about watching my mouth or watching what I said to her. She was more or less more like a friend or less like a mother. I mean, she was my mother, but you know what I mean. We had more of like a, a friendship kind of relationship where I could tell her anything, anything about my sex life, anything about fucking stuff maybe I was fucking with years ago, you know, when it came to addictions and things like this. Like, I could tell her anything and not have to feel like she was judging me. And because of that, I loved my mother, like, incredibly much. So... The whole thing was very hard to digest. It's now been, what happened, June. We're in the early parts of October, June, July, August, September. It's, it's only been four months, so it's still pretty fresh. I still haven't gone through her stuff. When I went out to her apartment and, you know, grabbed a bunch of things that were going to be memorable, things of value, this kind of stuff, I brought it all here to my house. Again, I lived. I live about 600 miles north of where she was living, um, brought all of her stuff out here and it's still sitting in my living room. I still haven't gone through or sorted through any of it. I just kind of stacked it all up in the corner of the living room. Uh, my lady threw some sheets over it just to kind of keep a couple cats we have out of the stuff. And I still haven't brought myself to actually 
go through her stuff and sort it and figure out what I want to keep, what I want to maybe put in storage, what I want to hang up. She was an artist. She was really good at doing, she did wood burnings. She also did uh, uh, drawing, this kind of thing. And she was very good at it. And I have a bunch of her art, but I haven't even gone through and like, you know, seen what I want to hang up, what do I want to put away, what I want to keep, maybe what I want to get rid of, what I want to give to my son or anything like this. I just got all of her stuff sitting in the corner of a damn room out in our living room. And it's mentally challenging for me to be able to go out there and go through this shit. I don't want to break down. You know, I'm already a kind of an emotional person as it is. I'm already going through hell with the whole losing my job only a couple months ago. I'm already going through hell because my music career never took off the way I wanted it to. Uh, financially, I'm kind of suffering right now. I'm not working right now. It's now been almost two or a little over two months since I lost my job. I've been applying for places online. Uh, but you know how that goes. You get on these little websites like Monster, fucking ZipRecruiter, Indeed. All these little places that say, oh, you could find a job easily. Just hop on and indeed, you could send out 100 applications in 10 minutes. Is it just me or do these places just send your application to the, to the fucking abyss? Like, I swear, I could apply for 100 different places online. And out of those 100, I'll maybe get 10 emails that are replies, you know, thanking me for applying this kind of shit. And out of those 10, none of them are actual, like, real fucking emails from a real person they're just auto-generated responses and it's like i want to get an email that's like hey thank you for applying we'd like to have you come in for an interview has there been any of those nope i mean there was one i went and did a um i did an online interview with the frito lays to i was looking into doing a sales route specialist position that paid about 70k a year 65k a year and for me not having any kind of college background, that's actually lovely money. I mean, at Walmart, I was making twenty one thirty six an hour, um, which which comes down to like what, like thirty eight, maybe forty thousand a year. So to go from that up to sixty five, sixty seven k a year, that would have been a nice step in the right direction. But sadly, they gave me the good old fucking John Deere. Uh, Thank you for your application, but there are fucking better candidates. And da 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 da. Here's the thing. Before all these websites like Monster, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, just to name a few, before these websites came around that were allegedly supposed to make it much easier for us to find work, I was able to find jobs so easily before these websites started popping up about 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And the reason is, before these websites existed, if you wanted to go get a job, you had to actually get out the house. You had to go to, you know, different businesses, dress up and go inside and ask them, hey, you guys hiring? Here's a resume of mine, blah, blah, blah. And I find that it was much easier to get a job during those times before sites like Monster, ZipRecruiter came around and this kind of shit, much easier to find a job back before they existed. And I feel like the reason is, is, Yes, even though Monster, Indeed, and these other websites, even though they help you find a bunch of jobs that you otherwise would have never found without these websites, you have to also understand that your your competition is so much greater when you're fucking with these websites than when you're actually going to a physical location and asking them if they're hiring and submitting a resume or an application, that kind of thing. 
And what I mean by that is before these websites, if I went into just say, just for as an example, if I went into a Verizon call center fucking 20 years ago, back before Monster and all these websites came around, you can go in there and submit a resume and you would hear something back. You might not get hired, but you would at least hear something back, some kind of response. You didn't have a ton of competition. You might have, you know, when you're applying that way 20 years ago, you might have one or two, maybe three or four other people to compete with that had also submit their resumes or applications for these roles. Now fast forward to now fast forward rather to today and with with ZipRecruiter and all these other goddamn websites. Yes, you may be able to apply for a hundred different jobs in the span of only 10, 20 minutes. But guess what? So can everybody else in the fucking world that needs a job. So instead of competing with two, three, four people, sometimes less, when you go out into the physical, you know, when you, when, when you go drop resumes in person, this kind of shit, now, now you're fucking dealing with God only knows how many people have applied for that same position. You want to go get on with a call center. You want to go become an accountant, whatever the fuck your experience is. Now, instead of competing with just a couple people, you may have literally 10, 15, 20,000 different individuals in the area that have applied for that same position. So now, if you don't have a college degree, if you don't have you know, all the experience they're looking for, you're fucked. You're fucked. I used to be able to send out two or three resumes 20 years ago, and I would land a pretty decent job just by dropping two or three applications off. Now today, on these websites again, I could send out applications to 200, 300 different places, and I'll be lucky to get a damn interview for even a single one of these places that I apply for. So even though it's quote-unquote faster to use these websites to look for work, even though it's quote-unquote easier to find different jobs you wouldn't have found if these websites didn't exist, I just don't think it's worth it. Another example would be like dating websites. Dating websites weren't a thing until about 20 years ago, roughly. I still, I'm old enough now, I'm 40. I just turned 40 about a, a couple weeks ago on the 19th of September. Um, I'm old enough to remember that back in the day, I still remember the first dating websites that pop, pop started popping up. I remember there was one called Face the Jury. This came out when I was like 15, 16 years old. You'd put your photos on there and you would have people of the opposite sex that would rank or that would rate what you look like. So you could throw on pictures of your face, pictures of your body, whatever the fuck you wanted to throw on there, right? And then... The opposite sex would scroll through profiles of men, scroll through profiles of women, whatever, and they would fucking rate your photos. And little side note, when I was 17, I was literally, or 17 or 18, I was literally number one. I was rated the hottest male of all fucking males that were on this site. I swear to God, I put that on my son's life, put that on my mom's life. I was literally number one on Face of Jerry back in the day. I kind of toot my horn about that, or at least I used to. I used to have no confidence when I was in high school. But after I got out of high school, confidence started picking up. And uh, I, I used to be a sexy mouth. I mean, even for 40, I still look good. But uh, that's here nor there. But 
I still remember when these websites popped up, Face the Jury, uh, MySpace, fucking, there was a bunch of them out there. There was like Rape Cali or something where only people in California could get a profile and this kind of shit. But uh, I still remember the days of going out and finding a girlfriend without needing any of these dating websites. You could literally just go into Walmart and be like, what's up, girl? Next thing you know, you're hanging out, right? Next thing you know, you're hitting it off. Then these websites started popping up, these quote-unquote dating websites. And at first, they were great. At first, before they got, you know, completely flooded with too many people, you can go on there and you can message one or two girls and shit, one of them would be willing to hang out. Fast forward to today, where dating websites are fucking super popular. And now, instead of being able to fucking send instead of talking to one two girls at a time you can go copy and paste the same fucking message and send it to fucking a thousand different women or whatever um but here's the thing ten thousand other dudes have already hollered at the same chick you're hollering at with the same corny type of shit you're trying to holler at them about they got more money they look better than you all this kind of shit so just like with the zip recruiter and all these fucking websites to look for a job, these dating websites are only hurting the whole fucking thing when it comes to dating. It's making it so easy that the market is essentially flooded. So instead of this hot chick, you know, having maybe a few guys approach her out in public and trying to talk to her, now she could just sit at her fucking house and literally get hundreds, if not thousands of messages from all kind of potential candidates as far as you know men hitting her up or whatever or women as she's into women whoever the fuck you know what i mean so it's just crazy like these websites were put in place in order to help us find jobs easier in order to help us find love and dates and this kind of shit and instead they're only making the problem 10 times worse Shit, I remember back when I was like 17, 18, if you could talk a woman into sending you, you know, you're going back and forth on your phone and shit, if you could talk a woman into fucking sending you some like seductive photos, whether it was in panties or whatever the fucking case, whatever you could imagine, you felt amazing. You were like, damn, I got this hot chick sending me panty photos. She's in a thong. Fuck. Yeah, I'm about to fuck. Getting all excited and shit, right? It was so difficult to get a woman to fucking show some ass or show some cleavage or just like, you know, show us some sexy photos. Fast forward to today, you don't even have to ask a woman jack shit about, you know, trying to get any of these types of photos because they already throw them online anyways. You could hop on Instagram and if that's what you're looking for, you could just find one hoe, slut, bitch, one after another that are like practically naked, shaking their asses on camera. You know how hard... You know how hard we had to work for that shit back in the day? Like back in the late 90s, early 2000s? You kids that are dating these days that are like between the ages of 15 and 25, even 30, you guys don't realize how fucking easy you have it to the point where it's like depressing, to the point where it's like you don't even feel rewarded even if you do get any kind of seductive photos from a chick lightweight. Because they're already out there. They're already putting this shit out on the internet. Again, TikTok, Instagram, all these fucking websites, even dating websites, whether you get on Plenty of Fish or Tinder or Grindr, whatever the fuck these dating sites are, I don't even fuck with them anymore. I've been with my woman for 10 years. So the last website that I was fucking with when it came to dating was Plenty of Fish. I don't even know if that website's around anymore, but let's just pretend it is. 
These days, you can just hop on these dating sites. You don't even got to ask these women for sexy photos. They're already posting them. You know, you'll have the, the face photo showing off her face. A lot of times they'll have the cleavage photo with their tits all hanging out in the goddamn photo. You'll have these butt photos and all this shit. You don't even have to ask for it anymore. You don't have to work for it anymore. And guess what? When you don't have to work for it anymore and it becomes easy, you, you start to not give a shit anymore. I used to get so excited when I could talk a chick on a late night and sending me some seductive type photos. And now it's not even interesting anymore. Now it's like, yeah, who gives a shit? You got a nice ass. So does every other woman on the fucking internet. Oh, you got some cleavage in the photo, do you, Sarah? Doesn't fucking matter, Sarah, because Kimberly, fucking Vanessa, fucking Jennifer, they all have those same photos. And guess what? You think you're being slick sending some sh fucking chick you think is hot a dick pic? Fucking Carlos? Well, think again. She's already got dick pics from fucking a thousand other guys. And I promise you, you don't have the best dick out of those a thousand dick pics she's been getting. Carlos. Right? So it's like these websites were put in place to help us. And sadly, they're just fucking up our culture. They're just making everything worse. And the more these women normalize being naked or being in their panties and shaking their asses on TikTok and Instagram, the more normalized it becomes, the more fucked up our dating culture is getting. I mean, yeah, gays have been around, homosexual people have been around since the beginning of time. But does it not feel like just in the last 10, 20 years, people are deciding or, you know, being, people are gay more now than ever. And I feel like it's because they don't have the game. They don't have to put in the work to chase what they want anymore. I feel like guys aren't even into women as much as they were 20, 30, 40 years ago because we don't even have to put in the work anymore. Don't get me wrong. I still like seeing some fucking banging ass. I still like seeing some boobies and all this shit. But when you don't have to work for it, it lightweight becomes boring, if that makes sense. It's like... It's like if you're already rich when you're a child, if you're born into a family that's rich, you're not going to have nearly as much fun with mommy and daddy's money as you would if you had to work for your money. Like, if going to Paris, going to Hawaii, going to New York, all these fucking vacation areas, if you're able to just do this right from the gate when you're bo born, that shit's going to be boring as fuck to you by the time you're a teenager. Meanwhile, if you're born into a very poor household... And you guys don't get to go on vacation. You guys don't wear fancy clothes. You guys don't have a lot of money. You guys don't eat the best cuisines out there and this type of shit. When you do finally start seeing some success, you do finally start having some money, you're going to be a million times more grateful than someone that can just stumble right into some booty pics without even asking for it. Does that make sense? I'm trying to bring this all together, loop this around and make sense of it all. <clears throat> I'm going off on a weird tangent with this episode. Hey, at least I'm not talking about death the whole time. That first episode was uh, very dramatic. I listened to the whole thing back and I was like, man, maybe I don't want to put these kind of private details out there about my life. Eh, fuck it. There's going to be episodes where I get really, you know, vulnerable with you guys. There's going to be episodes where I kind of close up a little bit. There's going to be episodes where I'm funny. There's going to be episodes where I don't give a fuck. There's also going to be episodes where I give a fuck too much. It's kind of me. I'm day to day. I'm just as manic as my mother was, probably bipolar too, though it's never been diagnosed. Um, I have been diagnosed with ADHD though, Ad adult. 
Sorry, I always start adult. It's not adult, dumbass. It's attention deficit hyperactive disorder. I don't know why I always start by saying adult. I don't understand why I'm, my mind goes that direction. But anyways, you know, I have my own problems. Problems that I feel kind of benefit me in a way. Yes, when you have ADHD, you're 10 times more likely to do something stupid. You're 10 times more likely to say something that you probably shouldn't say to someone. You're 10 times more likely to offend someone, but at the same time, it makes my life a little more exciting. I never know what the day's gonna bring. I could start my day in the best mood and halfway through the day, fucking be the most crazy person ever. Like yesterday. Yesterday, I was having a great day. Woke up in a good mood. My lady and I were watching some TV shows. I got on a game for a while. Uh, had a good lunch. My lady and I was mobbing on tacos. And then while I was playing this game on my PS5, my foot fell asleep, my left foot. And I didn't really realize it was asleep because it wasn't tingling or doing any of this shit. And uh, I get up with my plate that has like one of my half-eaten tacos on it. And I'm holding my soda in my other hand. So I have a cup of Pepsi in my right hand. And in my left hand, I'm holding a plate of like a half-eaten taco. And I was going to go out in the kitchen with it and finish the rest of that taco and whip me up another one. Well, since my foot was asleep and I'm wearing these like Adidas uh, slip-on sandals, you know what I mean? Like slip-on flip-flop, not flip-flops, because they don't, it's not like it has like the, the fucking, uh, you know, the divider that goes between your big toe and your middle toe. It's just like the slip-on Adidas. I don't know what the fuck you call them, slides. I guess slides is what you'd probably call them. But anyways, I'm wearing these Adidas slides and I get up again, plate in my left hand, soda in my right hand, and I go to take my first step. And when I took my first step, I realized my left foot was like dead. It was like fully asleep. And you know that feeling you get when you try to take a step with a foot that's asleep? It's like the weirdest feeling ever. It feels like I was taking a step with a dead foot. Well, anyways... When I went to take that step, my goddamn Adidas slide on my left foot, the toe part of my slide, got caught on the fucking carpet as I started rolling my foot forward. And since my foot was completely dead and numb, I couldn't like, I couldn't step out of it for a lack of better, for a lack of a better explanation. I couldn't just take a step out of it. So once the toe part of my goddamn slide got kind of stuck on the carpet. My my fucking flip-flop or my slide folded folded in like an upside-down U-shape. I wish I had the video camera on so I could explain and show a little more as to what I mean by that. But anyways, upon my goddamn slide getting caught in the carpet, I rolled the holy fucking shit out of my goddamn left ankle. I fell on the floor and everything. Literally fell like some fucking 75-year-old. Help me, I'm falling and I can't give up. Have an ass, motherfucker. <sighs> and the older I get, my balance is not that good anymore. I used to skateboard all the time. I used to have fucking extremely good balance. But uh, back when I was like 27, 28, and I was with my ex-wife, I had like, I don't know, a stroke or a fucking mini heart attack or some shit. I don't know what it was because I never went to the hospital to, you know, get it figured out. I went for a jog one day and it was one of the first times I had jogged in a long time. This was also five years after I was already into smoking cigarettes heavily. Um, 
Long story short, I went for a jog, and when I came home, my heart would not slow down. When I got home, my heart kept beating super duper fast, even though I fucking had been laying in bed and watching TV for a good 10, 20 minutes after I got back. And uh, my ex-wife at the time, we ordered a pizza, and by the time the pizza got to us, or I had to go pick the pizza up. So we ordered it, and I was going to hop in the SUV, go pick up the pizza, and bring it back. By the time I hopped in the car, my SUV rather, I started noticing my fingers were getting numb. My left fingers started with like my pinky, my thumb, then my hands started getting numb. And I was feeling really weird. It was like I was having a tough time catching my breath. And uh, long story short, I go to go pick up the pizza and I get it. And when I get back in the car, at this point, I'm noticing my tongue in my mouth, my actual tongue started going numb. It started tingling. And it got to the point where it was so bad that I had panicked and I didn't know what to do. I ended up running a red light trying to get home because I just wanted to get home to my wife at the time and and see what she thought. Or, you know, I should have just called 911 right then and there, but I didn't. So I ran a red light. I remember calling my wife at the time. She answers and she's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, I'm still having troubles breathing. My heart's still going a million miles. My arms are all numb. Call 911. Call 911. And that was the last thing I said to her. I hung up the phone as I'm pulling into the apartment complex. I parked my SUV as quick as I could. And upon getting out of my SUV, I completely, completely collapsed on the ground. My tongue is numb. It felt like a foreign object in my mouth, like I had a fucking rock in my mouth. It was the weirdest experience ever. My fucking hands and my feet were feeling numb tears rolling down my face. I'm literally thinking I'm going to die of a heart attack. Like I had no idea what was going on. And my ex-wife comes running out, you know, and she's in tears. She's like, what the fuck? She just sees me collapse next to my SUV. And anyways, because of this situation, I ended up being fine. Ambulance came out, or at least more or less fine. Ambulance came out. They were thinking that it might have been like a panic attack or just an anxiety attack or something. I think it was worse because ever since that happened, my balance went to absolute shit. And the only thing I read about that people can have that can fuck up their balance is like strokes. If you have a stroke, it could fuck up your balance for the rest of your life. So to me personally, I think I had a mini fucking stroke that day. And uh, ever since then, my balance has been horrible. So I attribute my fall yesterday to my balance not only being terrible, but it's like I don't get proper blood flow in my legs sometimes. So if I'm sitting for a long time, it doesn't even have to be a long time. Like if I'm sitting on the toilet for fucking 10 minutes, my fucking legs will go completely numb at times just from like the pressure of the toilet seat being on the back of my, you know, my hamstrings or my thighs, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But my balance has gone to shit. And going back to yesterday when I fell in my room, it felt like it was in slow motion. I just remember being like, and if I wasn't holding a fucking plate with a half-eaten taco on it, if I wasn't holding a, a glass that had soda lightweight up to the brim, I probably could have put out my hands in time and stopped myself from falling, and it wouldn't have been nearly as bad. I would have probably just dropped down to my knee, no harm, no foul, not that big of a deal. But instead, since I'm holding all this shit, as soon as my ankle rolled, my fucking plate of tacos goes flying in the fucking air all over the goddamn floor. My soda splashes into my face. Here's the amazing thing, though. 
Even though I dropped a plate of tacos as I was falling, I managed to hold my soda, the glass of soda I had. I held it throughout the entire fall. So even though I ate shit, even though I got soda sprayed all in my glasses and on my shirt and on the floor, the carpet in here, I still managed to hold the fucking soda and like, you know, I lost about half of the soda that was in the cup, but I still was able to hold (laughs) the rest of it throughout the entire fall, which is kind of crazy, honestly. I was kind of proud of that. But instantly, the worst fucking pain in my ankle I've ever experienced in my life. I've had some bad ankle sprains. This one felt a little different. When you look down at my ankle, my ankle was puffy, but it was like I half-ass rolled my ankle, but at the same time, I rolled my foot. And you could see a big fucking golf ball-sized lump hanging out the side of my left foot. So I'm sitting here thinking maybe I broke a bone in my foot or something. Maybe I fractured something. It didn't seem like a typical fucking ankle roll. I used to play basketball all the time. I used to play football all the time. I rolled my ankle so many times growing up playing sports. This one felt a little bit different. I'm sitting there in fucking agony on the floor and my lady comes rushing down the fucking hallway and my son opens his bedroom door. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, fucking, fucking shit, fucking flip-flop, folding in backwards, fucking shit, motherfucker. I was just so mad that everybody's looking at me like I'm completely crazy. They don't realize the pain I'm in. I go to stand up and I didn't feel the full pain right away because, again, my my fucking foot was asleep. That's what led to this damn fall lightweight to begin with. That paired up with the fact that my goddamn Adidas slides are getting older and they're too flexible. So if I don't take a full step, meaning like if I don't lift my goddamn foot three inches off the ground when I'm stepping forward, then the toe of my flip-flop can get caught in the carpet. And when that happens, it folds my goddamn slide you know inward and that's what caused me to take such a weird fucked up step so i'm all pissed off i get up i don't really feel the pain i know it's going to be painful i feel it but not all of it because again my foot was numb i go outside smoke a cigarette because at this point i'm angry not only am i angry i'm fucking bitching at both my lady i'm bitching at my son like it's their fault and shit you know what i mean blame anyone but myself that's always been my fucking motto it's never me it's always you guys so uh to calm down or to try to calm down i hobble my bitch ass outside i smoke a fucking cigarette i come back in and it was about five ten minutes later that the full fucking magnitude of the pain started kicking in and it was bad i'm talking like fucking eight nine out of ten bad felt like a goddamn 400 pound man rolled across my bent ass ankle type type shit So, come in the house, fucking ice it up. We wrap it with ice. It's super sensitive. I can't even put like 5% of my weight on my left foot. And uh, with me not working right now, with me not having fucking any kind of health insurance, I'm like, fuck it. Let's just wrap it, put it in ice. You know, and a lot of times doctors can't do a whole lot with ankle injuries anyways. You got to just fucking salve it out and wait for this shit to get better. Taking a little hit of coffee here. But now we're on day two. Sleeping was miserable. You know, I'm in bed trying to get my ankle comfortable. It felt like no matter how I fucking laid my foot, whether I laid it across a a soft pillow or whether I tried to, you know, maneuver and lay on my back, I couldn't get that comfortable last night. 
And then there's times where when I'm sleeping, I will subconsciously point my toes towards the wall. You know how when you're busting a nut, guys know this shit. Shit, women probably know this shit too. I'm sure it happens to women too. You know how when you're busting a nut, you're orgasming, you know how you'll like point your toes towards the wall, like your feet rather? Well, I do that shit when I'm sleeping subconsciously without even knowing it. And doing that motion is the most painful fucking thing ever when my ankle's fucked up the way it is. So there was like at least 10 to 12 times I woke myself up in the middle of the night last night because my dumb ass is like straightening my foot out. And that's probably the worst thing I could fucking do with this ankle injury. (sighs) So sleep was fucking a nightmare. Having a good ass day yesterday and then my old ass wants to fall down like some goddamn wheelchair bound have an ass motherfucker. I lightweight wish I had a wheelchair today. I've been trying to walk around with this cane. And uh I think I'm gonna be alright though. I don't I yesterday I wasn't so sure. I thought I may have broke something, but today I'm able to put a little bit more weight on it. Like right now I'm actually standing up. I got all fired up fucking a few minutes ago explaining this shit, so I decided to stand up. And I'm kind of like pacing around the room, hobbling and shit. But yeah, I don't think I broke anything. And if I did, it may have been a slight fracture. It'll probably heal on its own. And if not, whatever. You know what I mean? But it does feel a little bit better today, thank God. It's not as swollen as it was. You could still see some purple, some bruising a little bit. But I think I'll be all right. I'm just going to have to hobble around for the next few days. And hopefully I'll be perfectly good within about two weeks or so. But goddamn, that shit hurt. It was painful as a motherfucker. And I got my dog over here laying on the floor looking at me like, ha ha, bitch, you should let me come up in the bed and sleep with you. Reggie, stop fucking hating. It's your hating ass. Now, I love this dog. This dog's the best dog I've ever had. We adopted him about four or five years ago from the Spokane Humane Society. At the time that we adopted him, he was about 100 pounds full muscle, just like a buff blue-nosed pit bull. And the reason why I decided to choose him is uh, when we went to the Humane Society that we adopted him from, he was the only dog there that wasn't losing its fucking mind. When we walked in, all you hear is these dogs barking, fucking just popping off, going crazy. And Reggie was the only one that when he came into his little kennel, You know, because there was like a little doggy door that allowed them to run around outside in this caged area or whatever. And if they wanted to, they can come in through the the doggy door into their actual indoor kennel. And that's where people could walk up and view the different animals that were in there. When Reggie came through the door and I first saw him, he sat down and was quiet as fuck. Not a whisper, not a peep, not a whine, not a bark, none of that. Hella chill. So I decided, let me take him for a walk. I want to get this dog. Take him for a walk. He's chill. He's pulling a little bit, but most bullies are known to pull. They're so goddamn strong. Unless you fucking get them into some kind of lessons, they're notorious for pulling, and they're very strong at pulling. So that was the only kind of bad behavior I noticed when we took him for a little 10, 15-minute walk to kind of get to know the dog. He pulled like crazy. These days, he's not nearly as bad, huh, Reggie? You're way better these days. But that was the only thing I noticed that kind of made me think maybe I shouldn't get him. But I'm like, man, if he pulls, I don't give a fuck. I'm not exactly over here like fucking Mr. Dog Trainer of the Year Award or no shit like that. But he's the most lovable dog ever. 
And even though we live in an apartment complex, even though I wanted to get a house, my plan was to have a house within a year of getting him. We've now had him for probably about four or five years, and we still don't have a house. Not only that, we're still in the same fucking apartment complex. We're in a bigger unit now, but still in the same goddamn apartment complex. But he's so good. Dogs will run up on him, barking their asses off. He just looks at them like they're stupid. The only time he will bark is if someone will randomly knock on my front door. Other than that, you will never hear a peep out of this dog. Unless he's sleeping. I don't know what it is, but I know there's dogs out there that when they're sleeping, they'll fucking bark in their sleep. They'll kick their feet like they're running sideways and shit. And Reggie does this all the time. He'll do these weird little noises like, like he's whining and shit when he's sleeping or like he's trying to chase something or catch something. Um... The only other kind of downside about him is he has a lot of anxiety. Like if I leave, he gets really upset. If uh, if I'm gone for very long, he gets sad. You could see the depression on his face. If I don't walk him as often as I should, you could tell he's depressed. He's like Eeyore, like he totally wears his heart on his sleeve. That's one of the reasons why I love him so much. When we got him, the uh, Humane Society out in Spokane, Washington, they were guesstimating him to be about two years old and we've had him for about five now. So I'm guesstimating, I wanted to guesstimate that he's probably about six or seven right now, but I honestly think he's closer to maybe eight, nine, possibly even closer to 10 because in this last year, year and a half, he started developing the old man signs, you know, the tips of his ears have white hair his face has a little bit of white hair on it, and it just seems like he's aging. Uh, well, obviously he's aging, but what I'm saying is I think he was a little bit older than what they were telling us he was, even though he had all this pup energy when we first got him. And even though he is getting white hair, even though I could tell he's getting a, getting to be in his senior citizen kind of age, he still has a ton of energy. He still plays like a pup. He'll still go randomly pull his toys out of his toy box and start whipping his fucking rope around like he loves ropes, like them tug-of-war ropes. Fucking loves them, huh, Reggie? And he knows I'm talking about him. He's now standing up to me as I'm laying on the bed and I got my right leg hanging off the bed planted on the floor and he's got his big-ass 15-pound head just kind of resting on my right thigh that's hanging off my bed. And he's giving me these big old puppy-eyed looks like he knows I'm talking about him. But yeah, best dog I've ever had. I've always been a dog lover, but this dog is just above all the rest. I never even had to leash train him really as far as like staying with me when I take him off a leash. Every other dog, if I take him off the leash, they're as good as gone. See you later, bitch, I'm gone. Not Reggie. If I didn't have to worry about other dogs running up to us and, you know, caught, possibly causing a problem, I would never have to have him on a leash. When it's late at night, you know, and I know everyone else is in their apartment and no one's outside, I can go outside with him and he'll stay within five to ten feet of me. He looks at me, he makes sure that I'm fine with whatever it is he's doing, and he checks in with me. Like, the furthest he'll go away from me when he's, like, scavenging around, getting ready to poop or some shit... Is like maybe 20 feet, but he doesn't go further than that. He's never ran away from me. I've never had to chase him because he got away or anything like that. 
And I didn't even teach him that shit. He just already had that shit down when I got him, huh, Reggie? Your last owners must have trained you good or you just are a smart genius ass dog or something. <sighs> He's the goodest of the good boys. But yeah, it's been two months since I've worked. And it's sad. I need money badly. I'm kind of fucking up with my finances right now. Credit's still good, though. I'm still making my credit card payments, but I'm definitely running out of money, guys. So I got to figure something out fucking ASAP. Uh, applied for the post office. I applied for the DMV. I applied for fuck a shit ton of other things. I'm just waiting to hear back. So that's the boat I'm in right now. But we need to turn it around. I was trying to get my son enrolled in homeschool out here. And these fuckers kept sending back the documents saying that they weren't good enough. Like I had to send a proof of residency. I had to send his birth certificate. I had to send his transcripts from his previous school. Fucking a utility bill that shows where I live, all this shit. And I sent them everything to the exact T. And they kept reaching back to me saying, this one is not valid because of fucking blah, 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 all this shit, right? I had to re-upload different documents like three fucking times. And by the time they finally had all the documents, it was already too late to enroll them. So now my son's in what we call Idaho homeschool. And all that is is he's home, right? You know, he's not even in school right now. I don't even know what to do. I don't know. With COVID cracking up again, all this bullshit, COVID with schools and public schools being so shit, I don't even mind that he's at home right now, but I got to figure something out. He needs to at least be able to get into some kind of interactive, you know, uh, fucking team sport, some some kind of shit. I got to get him into something because he can't just be sitting in his room gaming all day. He is super intelligent for his age. He's only 14, and I would argue that he's probably smarter than half of you guys. He's getting to the point where he's smarter than I am. But still, I want him to have a better education. And by the time he was in, like, seventh grade, he just kind of decided, like, what's the point of school? There's no point to any of this. You think I need to know anything about, you know, X, Y, Z? And it, it's hard to argue with them because it's like, yeah, you're kind of right. I've been out of high school for fucking 25 years. You think any of this high school shit has ever mattered in a real life scenario? Definitely not. I just need him to work hard. He has to understand that hard work pays off. He has to understand that negativity is the demon and is going to consume him. <sighs> Sadly, like me, like his father, he's very negative. He he. It's hard for him to see the positive in anything. He's not optimistic. He's always looking for what's shitty in life rather than like, hey, even though there's a bunch of shitty things in life, there's also a bunch of fucking good things. But if all you're doing is, if all you're doing is paying attention to the shitty things in life, then yeah, life can really drown you out pretty quickly. Trust me, I know that. I've been through hell and back in my life. Losing my best friend to suicide? Come on now. Him and I were literally inseparable for 20 years and my homie in 2017 just decided to hang himself out of the fucking blue. That shit fucked me up tremendously to the point where I didn't even want to be in Sacramento anymore. Grew up in Sacramento, California. Once he passed away, it was like three months after that. I'm like, bye, fucking out of here. Moved out of California, moved into a little town in northern Idaho. It's beautiful out here. The only thing I don't like about being out here is moving out here. I basically took my music career and was like, fucking see you later.
because it's not like you're going to rap or do any kind of rap concerts up here in northern Idaho. You think these hillbilly-ass white fucks out here give a fuck about some rap music? Definitely not. Definitely not. <sighs> Where are we at? We're at about an hour. I think this episode went decently well. I feel like I could talk for another three hours. I'm not going to do it. I don't understand how Joe Rogan likes to sit there and talk for three, four hours a day. I don't know. If I was making as much as he did, I'd, shit, I'd talk for fucking eight hours a day if need be. But right now, no sponsors. Right now, no listeners. Right now, no fans. Right now, nobody gives a fuck about me or this podcast. So for me, I think an hour is perfect. I don't want to do these short 20, 30-minute podcasts like other people out there. I want to keep them right about an hour, between an hour and an hour and a half. Unless I'm on some kind of crazy topic where it makes sense to go longer for two hours, then hour's perfect. And that's what we're at right now. We're now at an hour and 40 seconds. So, love you guys. Thanks for listening to my show. Um, I know this episode was not as dramatic. It was not as fun. It was not as crazy. It didn't have all the ups and downs as maybe my first episode have had, rather. But keep fucking with me. I'm only going to get better at this. I've got so much to talk about. Wait until I get through the abuse I went through in my childhood. Wait until I go through all the fucking crazy shit I did in my childhood to maybe warrant the abuse I suffered. <laughs> Wait until we talk about all the different jobs I've had and why I've lost different jobs and why I've fucking blown off so many perfect relationships with women and friends over the years and yeah i'm an odd character and because of that i think this podcast i'm pretty confident this podcast will shine it's only a matter of time i have to keep grinding i can't i can't be depressed that you know oh i record 30 of these and in those 30 i got fucking 100 plays you know i can't stress that shit we're here for the long haul I don't want to fucking work at some bullshit job where management gives a fuck about me or my family. I want this to be my job. I want to take control of my life. I told my lady, I probably could have had a job by now, but I'm at the point where I don't want to fucking just take any job I can get. Because I've done that all throughout my whole life. And you know where it's got me? Nowhere. It's brought me depression. It's brought me anger. I'm the type of person that... I get comfortable in fucked up situations. So if I go get a job just because someone's offering me a job, if I don't like it, I don't hate it, or you know, I, I don't like it, I'm liable to just stay there because at this point, I'm fucking comfortable with shitty situations. And I don't want to go get some job that I'm going to be stressing about every fucking day that barely even pays any bills, that doesn't have any incentives, that doesn't have any room for advancement or none of this shit, where I don't get any respect. I'm too old for this shit. At this point, if I'm going to get a job, or when I do get a job, it has to be one that I know can lead me somewhere. And personally, I just want to do podcasts. I want to fucking do my podcast. I want to record new music. I want to write a little bit of stand-up. I've been getting more and more into stand-up lately, stand-up comedy, writing jokes, this kind of shit. I would rather take the chance on me than fucking taking the chance on these companies to fuck me like they've always done in the past. Don't go after the first pussy that opens up for you. Don't go into the first job that's like, hey, you want to come work here? No, that's a bad fucking decision. Trust me, you'll end up with some psychotic bitches. You'll end up with some terrible jobs. Do you, boo. 
Have confidence in who you are. Stand up for who you are. Don't let other people disrespect you. Even though it might seem like all there is is terrible people in this world, there are a lot of good people in this world. You just have to search. You have to find them. You have to reject the bad, reject the negative. Allow yourself some openness to have positivity come into your life. With that said, my name is Dennis Sanders. You can call me the motherfucking super honky. Super honky out.